Today on the Button Up Podcast, we have Sabir Peel from Men's Style Pro and Esquire's Most Handsome or Best Dressed Man in America. I wish I was getting most handsome. <laughs> most handsome. Uh, best dressed, correct? Yeah. Coming up on your 10, or is it your 10 year anniversary this year? Yeah, I think the 10 year is in 2010. I mean, 2020. Wow. 2020. Time does fly, yeah. though. Yes, it does. Well, it's great to have you in the podcast. I know a little bit about your story, but excited to know. And I know you're in Philly today, but just get a little bit more background on how you got to be a full-time influencer today. I can make this a, a bridge version of my story. So like you mentioned, I was featured in Esquire back in 2010 as one of the five best dressed real men in America. It's like one of the longest titles I ever have, like best dressed real men in America. And I was actually hesitant to enter that contest. So the year before the winner, uh, Dan Trepanier, who started the the Style Blogger now, which is um, Articles of Style, he won, and he was a college student. And I had just graduated college of, uh, the year prior in 2008. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. I don't think I'm going to enter, though. And then a friend of mine kind of pushed me in and was like, hey, you should think about entering. You might go far in the contest. So I ended up entering the, the 2009-10 season or edition of that contest. And I made it to the final five. But... I wasn't originally going to create a blog or anything from there because at the time, like I read blogs and there weren't that many in the menswear space because mind you, this is between 2008 to 10. So everyone knew the sartorialists, which I kind of uh, looked at more as like a, a museum piece, like a street style history than a blog. But then there was GQ style as a blog. There were the forums. So if you're looking at style from and different things like that. And what really happened though, a friend of mine who I went to college with, who was a photographer, hit me up one night after we had a few drinks and was like, hey, Sabir, you never decided to make that blog. You should do it right now. So I literally typed in Men's Style Pro. I never thought of the name prior to that. And it was available. And I bought that domain. So that's how like the the, the Genesis story happened. Um, wow. But, from so, there, but before that, yeah. so were you known for dressing well in high school? Like when did style become conscious for you before that? I would say style has always been like paramount to me. My brother had really good style. My uncle did. And I always um, paid attention to just how they dressed and like what they were wearing. And my grandmother, who I think had the biggest impact, who was like my mom's mother, she uh, worked at a dry cleaner for 35 years. So she did everything from dry cleaning to tailoring. So I think the emphasis on like clothes looking good on you and fitting well has always been a part of my life. And I think as young as I was in middle school, I so I was an athlete. I ran track. And back then I played football and basketball. And I started to pay more attention to like how athletes were dressing at that time, even though it was like terrible. So think about like old Michael Jordan. Big, yeah, the big, big Jordan double suits. suits. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I started to just pay attention to like, oh, what looked good on certain people. So then I started to backtrack to like the Sammy Davis juniors and things like that, because I like guys who could dance and be active, but also look really tailored and chic. So I would say middle school is when I started to pay attention to it more. And the girls started to pay attention to it more, too. They're like, oh, this guy, he looks good in that uh, button up shirt that he has on. And I got, I got creative at times of what I was doing, too. Like once a week, I would actually dress up. Like I used to steal like my uncle Stacy Adams shoes and throw on like a, a fit, like a, a menswear fit, even though this was like 1997. Wow. And so that basically takes you right into college and you, you were, you known for being one of the better dressed guys when you were in school? Yes, I can definitely say I was, and that's not tooting my own horn, but like 
in my fraternity and I joined them when I was a junior, they even like my brother name in the frat is brother shoes. Cause I always had some like really nice shoes on. And my wife would, would even tell you when I was a sophomore, she was a senior and one of her good friends that was the same year as her, she would always ask her like, Hey, who's that guy in the blazer? And she'd be talking about me like, Oh, that's Sabir. He's a sophomore. Or I was a freshman at that one point too. And it always stood out. And uh, my style was always something that people pointed out. I even won a contest like earlier before like being an Esquire was it was for the King of Prussia mall. And it was like best dressed person of the fall. I just entered to see like just for the hell of it. And I won and I won $1,500 to shop the mall. So I just bought all my family Christmas gifts. There you go. Well, I think even our listeners can attest to like, even if you just wear clothes that fit properly, then you're known as being better dressed than most guys. And so that's good. It's crazy too. Because like, obviously in college, most people, everybody falls into this trap for a little bit. You just want to wear like sweatpants and pajamas. And I, I was, I ran track in college. So I was definitely prone to like, I'm going to put on like some sweats, but my sweats, I was wearing like more fitted joggers and like some very crispy, clean sneakers and like maybe a little bit more styled hoodie in it. And I throw a leather jacket on with it just so I'm not out here looking like an average bum that I pick up their clothes off the floor and slid to class. Yeah, definitely. All right. So you create the blog, you win Esquire. And at this point, you're out of school. What are you doing as like your day job? So I was working full time as a college admission counselor um, at a university here in Philly. So I was doing both pretty much concurrently. The interesting part about that job, I had to travel a lot. And part of my travel, my territory for travel as an admission counselor was to go to New York City. I had all the boroughs of New York, northern New Jersey and like some New England states. But I primarily spent time in New York which was definitely something I took advantage of from um, when I started the blog because most of the stuff for men's where everything was happening in New York and I was trying to build like a client base or getting to know the brands that I wanted to work with, every event was in New York. So I was double dipping like a madman. Yeah, the smartest of us do. But that's also, it's, I mean, New York's still the epicenter today and it's going, it seems like it'll continue to be. But you know, why, at that point, did you consider just moving to New York out of Philly? So I thought about it for a minute, but just to get to New York from Philadelphia and vice versa, it's such a quick jump. And I like I like the fact that I wasn't in the saturated part of menswear. I think what for a while what was happening when a lot of guys were getting into like the menswear blogging in, there were a lot of people dressing and doing and being the same thing. And I think me being in Philly gave me um, a little bit of an edge where like brands were like, okay, he's not going to give us the same shot of standing on cobblestone streets with the bridge behind you in Dumbo. Like he's going to give us something more, something a little bit more authentic. And it really uh, kind of set me apart. And I got to really take over the scene here in Philadelphia as well. Yeah. It also helps when you say I'm going to be in New York and you're able to, to set things that way instead of just being somebody who's already there. Right. Cause brands will hit me up. Like there's an event next week. They're like, can you come up? And I'm, they're like, all right, we'll pay for your train. I'm like, at this point, because I've worked so hard, if brands are paying for me to come up there, this is not a hassle. Yeah, definitely. So how long are you doing double duty? So I did it for just about five years. So I started the blog in 2010 and I officially left my job. So I was on both at the same time in September of 2014. So I've officially been working for five years on the blog as my full-time job. Wow. And you also get married around that time? So I got married in 2010. Um, July 4th, 2010, to my beautiful wife, Marina Torres-Peel, who was the original photographer for Men's Style Pro for 
those first four years. Uh, yes, the original, uh, what they call Instagram girlfriends now. Yeah. Instagram, Instagram wife. Girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, she was the Instagram wife. She was like the original Instagram wife because she, every weekend we'd be, and this is when like, you know, the, the struggle of being a content creator because you're putting out so much content. Every weekend we fill up my trunk of my car. We'd drive somewhere where, where I wanted to like shoot. I'd shoot like six looks and I'd be firing off um, blog posts all week. Yeah. Well, did the Esquire thing that like open up a ton of doors, opportunities? What, what did that really do for you, for you on the men's style pro side? So what it did for me, and it's funny. So the Esquire competition started just before men's style pro was even an entity. But my name was being floated around like the the menswear blog aughts like crazy. So I was like, I need to capitalize on one, just the cachet of what's popping off right now. And it definitely helped in a, in the way of getting other media attention and brands actually starting to like starting to see the value in working with uh, bloggers and people in the menswear space. Because at that time, no one really was. This was 2010, 11, where I think in the women's space, people were just like, all right, we get it a little bit, but men's, you were barely seeing like anyone, any brand wanting to work with someone. So I think the Esquire cachet behind me definitely gave me a little bit of a leg up. And I used it a little bit too. I was like, hey, I just came off of this. I've been featured as that. And brands were more willing to give me a chance instead of being like, we don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, well, the Esquire thing seems like it was a level of validation that today brands get from follower counts before that right you had to go off you didn't have anything to go off of but today they look at subscribers followers uh in the portfolio overall right so now that's why having a really solid media kit works to your advantage because i feel like even with like your numbers and follower accounts people need to see like the actual breadth of your work like in like your, basically your portfolio to see like what you've actually done because things are so quick we don't know who's lying about what what's authentic anymore so it's good to be able to uh, coagulate everything. Yeah. Like fours, uh, true reach. So was there, right. was there like an event that happened where you were like, all right, I'm ready to quit. I'm going to quit. What was the spark for that? So I had an interesting opportunity. So one day, obviously everyone who's into men's fashion for the most part, like loves GQ. Like that's, that's where you went to, that's where you go to. And it actually started when I was in college, I made up a fake like article to send to GQ. I was like, if you're ever looking to like hire an intern or someone, yada, yada, yada. I made up some fake article. Forgot that I sent it out. So this was just something like me reaching. But the summer, or I guess it was might have been 2013. In 2013, um, Brett Falgren, who at that time was the, like the lead stylist and one on the publisher end for uh, GQ, sends me an email. And he was like, hey, Sabir, I'm coming to Philly with Dockers with GQ. That's one of our brand partners. Um, I've read some of your stuff. Would love to meet you and take you through like the whole run of what they're doing. So they had like an Airstream set up on Walnut Street in Philly. And I go and meet him. What I did, though, I took a two hour lunch break. I didn't even put the first hour on my schedule. I just disappeared and then like threw it on just hoping nobody would notice I was gone for two hours. And during my talk with Brett, he was like, hey, we really love what you're doing. I think I might want to work with you in the future. I'm, I'm going to give you a call sometime soon. But I didn't think if that was a real possibility, I thought it might have just been blowing smoke. But he calls me three weeks later, was like, hey, I have an opportunity for you to come on and co-host an event with me at Bloomingdale's and co-style it. So I had to do like live styling of like uh, clients they had coming in and just like be on the, the social media team with that, too. And from there, I met the pretty much the whole GQ team because this was their first event that they were doing of that nature. So it was like Jim Nelson, Jim Moore, Madeline Weeks, everyone. 
And I just made it, I was like, I'm going to make the biggest and best impression possible. So hopefully something else comes to that. So that was the first thing that showed me like the big time part of like, oh, this could be my full time gig. But Brett followed up with something else. He calls me again about a month later about an opportunity called Lookbook Live. And this was a trend showcase that was hosted by GQ, Glamour Magazine and Simon Malls. So I was going what the opportunity was, was to go all over the country and host this trend showcase based off uh, a magazine that they were creating as a supplement. And it was basically like a shopping showcase, but it had a, a fashion show component to it. I was doing a lot of live TV, styling, and all over, all over the country. And they gave me an opportunity, but for me to do it, I was going to have to leave my job. So I did it. Just too long for a vacation, huh? Yeah, because I was <laughs> doing this every weekend for a year and a half. But I was able to negotiate my full year salary for half a year of work from my old job. So I was like, all right, this is going to be great. All right. But I think what took me a while to, to really understand, though, is like all of that stuff that happened, the GQ, the Esquire, the, the blog, and well, the GQ thing especially, it came off of the strength of the work that you were putting in at night and on weekends while you were yeah. still putting food on the table. And it's like, when, I remember being younger and, and trying to explain to people like, I could do this or, I, you know, this is what I could do. But you were like, you're putting in the time to show you knew this stuff, you could do it, you could execute. And that's what ended up getting you the opportunities. True. And like what people don't realize, like I think uh, anyone who's getting into the market now, they think this is something that you can just do. And it kind of is a little bit, but they don't realize we built an industry that didn't really exist. So like I was on the, the forefront of building something that wasn't a thing. So that's why I had to work all those nights. I basically worked 18 hours a day every day for almost five years. And I was tired, burnt out. But I was like, if I want to get to this point to make this a thing, I got to put in those hours and do it right. And not trend chase, but stay stay on trend sometimes, get ahead of people and just put out the really, really good stuff. And I didn't mind putting in the the sleepless nights because it led to this. I'm, I'm talking to you right now from my own office. Right. Yes. And we'll get there. So you do the trip, uh, you go to all the malls, you do the styling. And does that lead to more work with GQ? What is your trajectory after that? Yeah. So I, I ended up becoming like the resident event host for GQ. So anytime there was an event, so like I had events where like, oh, Sabir, we need to do this event for the Gap in San Francisco. It's one day. But we're going to fly you across to California from uh, Philly to do this event. Also hosting those events as well. So I think on top of doing that, like I did a, a series of social media things for GQ still. So I was definitely working that um, that angle a lot. But during that time, I started to pick up way more work from other brands. So it was not just the GQ angle. I was doing work from brands like the Uniqlo, the Boss, the Cartier. It was people were coming out to me, but I was also reaching out to them. So I would create proposals based off new things I saw coming out with brands. Or if I had ideas about products for like smaller brands, I would reach out in terms of collaborating with them. So I think I turned what was what people would consider like a, an elevated hobby into a full fledged um, like marketing arm of a business. Yeah. And I'm sure at that time too, that's when you also have platforms popping up like Instagram. So you, the blog is kind of the one true place from Style Pro. But then how do you start to look at either Instagram or YouTube? And then Vine was hot for a while. Like how do you look at the attention you were giving to those places? Right. So definitely things became very, I would say strained for a little bit because like some, some brands really only focus on one platform. Like some brands really just love Instagram and some brands were, were like, oh, can we do something on the blog? 
So I really pushed brands to always want to do something on the blog. So it had a longer SEO reach. And then I used all the platforms as distribution streams. What I love about Instagram, though, it's more Instagram now is the idea of Instagram stories, just because like I can do something that's a little bit more um, looser on a story and have it really back up what's going into a feed. So it really gave some personality outside of people just seeing these well-crafted images um, and then always giving people the, the opportunity to go back to the blog. It's always like the teaser. So the all the platforms really became distribution streams for what Men's Style Pro was doing as a website. Got it. And then from there, I know you're in an office now. Like when, when do you start to, to really be like the entity of Men's Style Pro and, and take it out of the house and, and make it your own thing? I think around 2015, 16, I really made Men's Style Pro a larger business because I also started adding the consulting angle to it. So I was working with like some smaller brands to help them in terms of their social media strategy, also to create product. And I knew at this point I didn't want to have to invite people over to my house, but also always have them be on someone else's territory. So in about 2017 is when I actually got my office. And I use it as a place where I was doing press previews for um, for brands. I do most of my work from here now. But I knew at that time, I was like, I can't continue to just work out of my home office and grow the way I want to. And also, I needed to be like somewhere walkable where people I, I can get inspired by the city. So I wanted to be right in Center City, too, not more of like on the residential end of Philadelphia. And that's when the, the MSP HQ was born back in uh, 2017. Yeah, I think the dream for people working a corporate job is that they're going to quit work from home and do their own thing. But then the people that do that find out, oh, you kind of need an office. Like there's a reason that people have offices places is to go and, and have that separation. But also I miss I, – I worked in downtown Pittsburgh for a few – like two years and I miss it all the time because there's an energy to it. And when I went to a different company, right. I was working in the suburbs and it just wasn't the same. And so I definitely like, – I, I know I asked you about that when we when we were together about you know why I have a space downtown. But I can definitely see it. Yeah, it's just the energy. I'm, I mean, I'm very much an energy person too. Like I like being around people, but I love the fact that I have my own space and people come visit me all the time. If they're just coming to hang out, get inspired, have a drink, I always got the the bar cart full of whiskey. So it's definitely a good place to come hang. Yeah, absolutely. And over those, you know, now 10 years, how do you think your own personal style has evolved? Where you, you know, whether it's suiting, it looks like, especially you know, more recently, you've got a lot of fun stuff going on with patterns and, and things. Do you think your own personal style has evolved? I think my style has definitely become, I think it has more direction to it. Even though you'll see me mixing in a lot of patterns and things like that, I think I've like clued into the things I really liked more. So like when it comes to suiting, I know for me, and most when I get suits made, I only like patch pockets for the most part. Like if I get something off the rack that doesn't have it, that's it is what it is. But like I love patch pockets for functionality. So I'm like, I'm always gonna get patch pockets. And I know I need a wider lapel on things. And I want things a little bit more natural. Where in the past when I was getting suits made, like my first suits, those shoulders were very structured and I was doing like hacking pockets and ticket pocket this and everything. And I was like, I was kind of emulating what I was seeing other people doing. Like now I really follow what I want because like I also wear a lot of leather jackets and jeans and those things are very much more tailored as well. Instead of in the past, I'd be going a little bit more bigger. So I think everything definitely has, it's a more directionality to it. And you can't keep me away from some patterns, man. I love me some patterns. And I think I've gotten better at mixing patterns as I've got, get, gotten older because I, one, I, love, I let go of being afraid of doing it. 
I think in the past, I was like, I don't know if I can mix this uh, window pane with this uh, like awning stripe, but I think it looks cool, but I would stray away from it. But now it's a little bit more of confidence and understanding like what rules are rules and what rules I don't really give a damn about. Yeah, that's a great observation. I I went through a very similar thing where I was like doing the subscription boxes and you know, stuff. Do you think there's a way to shortcut that? It seems like guys have to go through their own, like need all this and then you pare it down and really figure out what you need. I think you should start to find guys that you like dial, that you like it because you think it's something that you really would like and start to pull the pew. So then I think from there, you can really tweak it to if you want to like get a little bit more functive. But I think sometimes you just need a guide. And I think that's why like podcasts like this are here in our blogs and everything in our YouTube channels, because I think the content that we put out is sent to the masses, but it's really only for specific people. And those people start to gravitate towards those things. Yeah, that's true. You definitely have a core audience that like follows you and, and wants to see all your stuff. And then you, but you also, you know, I get a lot of inspiration from, you know, comments and, and YouTube and everything. Yeah. Else. And then like, sometimes you just have to ask questions because like you become an expert at what you're doing, which really is you becoming the expert of you, but like your followers and your, and your viewers and your readers are really, they're sometimes on the pulse of something too. And they might just pique your interest to make you look at a, a shoe or a style of something that, Oh, I didn't know that I can, I didn't even know about this style. And then you take it and you make it yours. And then they're like, damn, he really did it. So it's, it's, a, it's a lot of give and take. So then what gives you inspiration today? Now you're 10 years into this and you're doing it full time. You're working with a lot of brands. What kind of things get you excited it's now? It's funny. As much as like the trends and everything has evolved, I still go back to like some of my like icons that like got me excited about like getting into the space when I really wanted to get into the space. So like the Andre 3000s of the world, the Pharrell's, the Brunello Cuccinelli's. I'm I'm very much in, excited about like fabrics and patterns. I think style-wise, I always want to dabble into uh, minimalism, but at heart, I'm a maximalist. So like I've been um, pretty much hybriding all those styles together. So I think my mind is like constantly open. I've been looking a lot more at like um furniture. Furniture like inspires my style now <laughs> more than anything because I'm looking at like a lot of sleek lines in terms of like as couches and tables, but then I'm looking at brass um, finishings for things. So my mind's a little bit everywhere, but I kind of like it. What's the way that you find focus? Is there like a is there a system that you use? Like how do you end up pairing back and, and focusing on what you need to do? So it's funny that you mentioned that because I just mentioned I was all over the place. But um, I uh, I recently read a book called the um, uh, the one thing. And I was like, let me see what this is about. I bought it from like Hudson News on the way home from New York one day. And it was just talked about like, you get more done, even though you think by multitasking, you think you get a lot of stuff done, but you never get anything done well by focusing on the one thing that you absolutely need to get done to make the rest of your day or your week or your month easier. So when I have a, a task that I know it's an actual big task, I stop doing everything else for a certain amount of time. It might be a few hours of a day or maybe it'd just be one or two days dedicated to that task. And then I'll fire that stuff off. I do try to automate other things that are very simple tasks. So I don't have to spend time doing it. So like I'll use like a hoot suite or anything that can be scheduled for like certain postings. I'll do that. But I've, I've gotten better at just focusing on the one thing that is my most important task to get done at that time. And that's been so helpful for me. Yeah, that's really good. I, I listened to, um, one of the buddies we have through Menfluential is uh, mm -hmm. Asian efficiency. And so I'm always listening to them. I'm like, all right, I got to get some tips and uh, make some changes to my process. All right, so we do have some rapid fire questions that we ask every guest. And it's one or two word answers. We'll, we'll blow right through them. All right, you let's ready? do it. 
Oxfords or brogues? Brogues. Morning shower or evening shower? Evening. Your favorite Bond actor? I'm going Daniel Craig. People will hate me for it, but I'm going Daniel Craig. It's a great choice. Cardio or lifting? Lifting. The last book you read? The last book I read was The One Thing. I forget the author, though. Maybe before that, because we already talked about that. No. I I think I reread Ender's Game, and I I read Fuck Your Menswear again. Good. Chinos, jeans, or trousers? Um, Jeans. Spring, summer style, or fall, winter style? As a menswear guy, I got to say fall, winter. We've had one person ever say spring, summer, so. I was going to say spring, summer, but I'm like... Uh, it's so short. I know, uh, especially over here. Uh, loafers or sneakers? Ooh. Loafers. Yeah, I thought so. And if you're getting in the shower, you want to pump yourself up for the day, what is the song you're playing? Oh, man. I'm going to say I Wonder by Kanye West. Okay, I'm going to cue that up for, for after we're done talking here. Well, you survived oh, rapid shit. fire. I made it. Thank you. Yeah, it was good. All right, so you're you're off and running now. Do you have a, a team around you that you work with You know, for photography and and Parts of the blog and everything. So I have two photographers that I work with. Uh, I just shot today right before this. So I work with uh, Saeed Ferguson. He's a phenomenal photographer. He's who you see mostly shooting my stuff. And I shoot with Lauren McGrath. And she's a phenomenal photographer. She was the photographer that I used for a few years right after I stopped working with my wife. And then for video, my boy um, Austin Horton, he has a magical eye. Um, and he does, I would say 99% of the videos that I have produced for like the YouTube channel that are like high quality, like cinematic looking videos. That's my guy. Um, but other than that, I do everything myself, building, writing, editing. Um, but those three put out the, the actual visual part for me. Yeah. You gotta have a team. So then what are you most excited about in the next 12 months? Next 12 months. Um, I, right now that it's starting to get cold, I'm, I'm already excited for a little bit warmer weather. I'm excited about some things that I'm working on. Like I have some shoes that I'm designing right now and I'm excited to do some more travel. I think what I want to do is like really um, diversify the content now and see where I want to take men's style pro, but I want to add a lot more travel in and focus on like the cities that inspire me. Mm-hmm. Well then selfish question, cause that's usually where we end up wrapping up. How do you balance that need, the work, the travel with being a dad? You know what? It's tough. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I have, um, a good support system like my wife is phenomenal she also works from home which is very 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 lucky for all of us that we can balance the schedules out and i think what i was lucky about was that my wife understood like how much i wanted to do what i wanted to do so the level of sacrifice that we had to make it was i think it's more of a time sacrifice than anything else like we have everything that we need so the support system is definitely what gets me through this and just the drive to want to continue to create and do different things with the platform that I've created. Yeah. I mean, my, my role too, though, is when I'm, when I'm home, I'm home, like phones are off, that sort of thing. That's how I really try yeah. to make sure it's like, cause I, f- I spend a lot of time working, but I want to make sure that the time I spend with my family is, is high quality. Yeah. I've gotten much better with that too. I think I almost never work at home anymore. There's days what I've tried to do more too, is that like one day a week I try to stay home. Like I might work in the home office, but then as soon as four o'clock hits, I'm done because that's when she finishes her work too. And we go pick our son up from um, daycare slash school and it's all in. And I, I like to be home for that time to be at dinner, which is really nice to just sit around the table and have dinner. So I definitely do that at least once a week. And I've been opening my weekends a lot more too, just to be like, what are we doing as a family? Let's get up and let's just go to the playground. Yeah. Cause we have, we have a three month old right now. And like, I tell my wife all the time, I don't remember this phase with my first two. Cause I was traveling right. a ton. I was, 
traveling a ton for my old job and doing the channel at the same time. And like, I just don't remember that phase. And so it's been, it's been interesting to now find this balance. It's good, man. It's spend that time because luckily you'll be able to remember this one. And my son, I can tell he appreciates just being around me being around because he, um, he's in that phase as a three-year-old that everything is something. So like he's dad, I want to show you this or how do you do this? And I'm happy that I'm able to be there for those moments. Yeah. I think the good stuff starts at like six months when they're first growing up, but like the real time that they can crystallize thoughts and like connect the dots is three to four because we have a three and four year old right now. And it's, it's the best. Yeah. You got a whole gang of kids over there. Yeah. I got my son, daughter, and then we have a three month old. So it's a, it is a balance, but it's great to hear your story. I know you better than ever. Now everybody's got to check out your Instagram, uh, YouTube, menstylepro.com and you know, you're excited for some new travel. If you want to travel along with Sabir, make sure you follow him over there. All right. Thank you so much for having me, man. Thank you.